This is Come On Kinds with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again into Come On Kind here with myself, Martin Quilty. This is season four, episode number 25, and we are going to start around the world because this week in Derry, Ireland is hosting the World Games for GAA, Camogie, Ladies Football, and there might even be a few rounders involved as well. But we're going to concentrate on the Camogie end of things, and I am delighted that I have two ladies on the phone line. One of them is in Derry, and one of them is in the United States, and both of them are involved with USGAA. And first of all, Sandra Holland, who's originally from Glenmore in County Kilkenny, is in the USA, but she's joining me on the phone line. Sandra, how are you this evening? I'm great, uh, Martin. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. This is brilliant. Um, just always delighted to um, have any kind of exposure at all um, and awareness, um, even across the pond, um, from things from our perspective over here. Well, it certainly is great to have you involved and to have you with us on the phone line. But as I said, somebody from USGA is in Derry at the minute, and that is Emily Barno. Emily, how are you? I'm doing well, having a fantastic week so far here in Derry. So, and thank you so much for having us on the air. We really appreciate it. You're more than welcome. Emily, I'm going to keep with you at the minute because obviously you are in Derry um, and it is the World Games and they have started since yesterday. So, first of all, tell us about the team that you have over participating in the World Games this year. Yeah, of course. So, I'm playing um, in one of the Camogie divisions uh, with the U.S. Warriors which is a conglomerate team that has uh, players from myself. Personally, I'm from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but we have players from Philadelphia. We also have players from the uh, Northwest region out in Portland and Seattle as well. So it's, it's been great because we've all been in communication for a while, but now all finally setting foot on the field together and being able to play. Um, it's really quite a remarkable experience and we've had a, a lot of success so far and, and a lot of fun and just enjoying the game. <laughs> In the first couple of days that you've had, how has the results uh, been for yourselves? Um, so we have won three of our four games. Our uh, last game that we had today um, fell a little bit short, but it was a really good learning experience and I think will uh, set us up for success. So hopefully uh, the, uh, the playoff bracket uh, that will be coming up on Thursday. Um, so I think uh, definitely a lot of positive things going on in the field and Every time we step on the field together, it's just an opportunity to learn how, how to play together and um, really how to improve um, as a squad. So That's good. And what is the atmosphere like in Derry over the last couple of days? Because obviously there's a huge volume of people after descending uh, in one of the, the northern counties there. And how have the hosts been up there so far as well with hosting the games? I think uh, atmosphere-wise, electric is the only way to describe it. it. It truly is a unique experience, and I've never experienced anything like it in my life. Um, everyone here is incredibly enthusiastic and passionate about the sport, be that camogie or be that uh, football or, or hurling. Um, so just seeing everybody coming from across the globe, to coming together to be able to participate in that is, is really, um, really, really incredible. 
Um, and Gary, I, I can always say positive things about the city and about the hosts that we've had here um, thus far. Um, actually, for the World Games, there's a pretty unique experience called a twinning, where they match up each of the teams with a, a team from Gary. Um, so we kind of have hosts, if you will, uh, beyond just the, the general broad hosting. Um, so we can ask, ask specific questions regarding um, sort of things or just about the city itself or how to get around. Um, so they've been... It's, like having family here that you didn't expect to have. So we're really quite fortunate with that. Sandra, the USGA, um, as you have been telling me, has kind of four camogie teams over there. They are Southie, or uh, where am I? Um, the Southeast Camogie, US Warriors, Coastal Virginia, and St. Louis as well. Will there be many t- uh, players involved in the four divisional teams there with USGA Camogie? Yeah, so these, uh, Martin, um, I do, I think that was. These four teams would be representing uh, the Southeast, Mid-Atlantic, Midwest, North, East, uh, Philadelphia. And so there, there are many regions that a lot of these players, so they wouldn't, these, these girls wouldn't be um, originally from these teams, but they would have come, come together like as uh, Emily alluded to, that they come together as a, um, uh, as a team for this specific event. Um, with the USGA, there are um, currently 21 registered clubs in the country. Um, and as I said, they um, are all in various divisions um, around the United States, So, um, which, is, which is fantastic. And there's huge growth. And, you know, that is all from the, the relationships that we have here with the USGA board and also with the, um, with the Commodity Association in Ireland. We recently had Pat O'Shea and Joey Canton Carton over from um, from Munster GA there at the end of last year, and they kind of put together a development plan. Um, because I think it's it's really coming to the forefront that um, as the GA grows, that we need to um, really make sure that the bond between Ireland and the rest of the world is 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 up and running all the time and and they put a development plan together for us uh rob Shirley and colin egan who are also on the development um uh, on the us ga side um have kind of been the spheres um for us for the year and especially for the commodity association and for us on the usga development side we have our own little committee here and we kind of work helping teams gather and you know, getting set up, getting their coaches in place, getting all the um, their, their equipment in place and to prepare for um, such events like the War Games or what's coming up here now soon is the USGA Nationals. We have, um, we had um, a development uh, weekend in Baltimore, Maryland there at the beginning of the year. And I bet you, I, I'd say about 90% of the girls over there now would have been at that weekend and probably, you know, using some of the stuff they had learned. They had a brilliant coach, um, Arthur McCarthy, who was um, originally from Cork, and he kind of ran through some, he facilitated the whole weekend for the girls. Um, just, you know, getting back to basics and learning the game and loving the game and then going back to their own teams and their own divisions and getting everything kind of sorted out um, within their own games. So I think, you know, just having the relationship between, you know, up there at the U.S. with the Commodity Association and then with the USGA and really, you know, 
you know, making sure that that bond stays connected. And, you know, things like this, what you're doing now, Martin, is just, you know, is, is, is immense and will be, you know, just a huge, um, you know, benefit to all of us here and over there as well. Well, we'll certainly be more than open to anything that's been broadcast with yourselves. If you let us know, we'll certainly put it out on the podcast for people um, like the, the World Games and having you been able to come on with us and to tell us your experience and also what is happening in the USA as well. We'd love to hear all about it throughout the year. Um, I suppose with yourselves, is there many expats that's playing with you over there or would you have many of the homegrown players that is playing as well? Because obviously that's important for the survival of the Camogie over with yourselves in USG. It is, Martin. Um, so oh, within yeah, the, oh, uh, go ahead, Emily. Oh no, you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, yeah, Martin. Um, you know, we, we can. You know, the survival of Camogie in the United States. Um, we can't survive on expats, and that's you know, I we. We do have, you know, a percentage, but it would be very low. So our, our goal is to um, bring on the homegrown players, of which predominantly at the World Games, it's all homegrown players in certain, in certain brackets that you have there. Um, and so, you know, it, it's all about getting in and identifying kind of quality personnel to bring in, like we did with Pat O'Shea and Joey Carton, and then having guys then in the development teams then trickles down into each committee and then each committee then into each division and then each division then would, you know, identify coaches and train them. And without the training that comes from the GEA and from, you know, the likes of Colin Egan who does it here, facilitates it, and all the tutors that are here to kind of coach the coaches, um, again, it would not survive. So it's all, you know, it's, it's very, you know, the whole thing is just, it's, it's amazing when you see it from our, perspective on what the amount of work that goes into it behind the scenes to bring on these girls, young and old, um, and I'm, I'm even playing Steve Martin, if you can believe it, um, although my sisters, who, who you know over there, Martin, they, they've retired, but I'm, I'm still playing just to bring on, you know, just to help bring on the game and for the love of the game and everything as well. They may have retired, but they're still coaching in Glenmore, I can tell you, because um, I've been on the sideline with many a time that they have been uh, coaching, and it's great to be able to do that as well. And no doubt, when you do finish up your playing career, that you will go into the coaching aspect as well. Emily, I'm going to come to you as well, because you've been very patient with me there. Um, and I hope you don't think I'm being rude in asking this, but are you one of the homegrown players from USGA, or would you have been the next pass out there? Um, sorry, I, you cut out for a moment there. Do you mind repeating your question? I can indeed. I said, I hope you don't think I'm being rude asking you this, but are you one of the homegrown players that's coming over with USG? Are you an expat from Ireland that has been playing Camogie here before and decided to travel over to America? So I actually am a homegrown player. Um, I have a, a background in actually cross country and field hockey and ended up playing camogie because I had a friend who played hurling and ended up playing with the boys for a couple of years. And now we're fortunate enough to have um, a team in Pittsburgh, which is only two years young. Um, but we have, we personally just um, so to elaborate a little bit more on, on my own experiences, camogie, um, we grew from having me, to now we have a, a, a roster of over 25 women, two of which are um, Irish-born American, American citizens right now. Um, so we've seen massive growth and improvement. Um, 
So it is a very unique experience being over here as a homegrown player and um, especially looking at the open division for Camogie where they have some folks who um, are Irish and playing. Um, just looking at the caliber of play and the quality and, and really gives you an opportunity to look up to where, where you want to be as a Camogie player in the future. So, and, and you were being totally fine, so not, not a problem whatsoever. <laughs> well, actually, that brings me into my next questions because it's nice to know, um, as a, a home player themselves who has probably not even seen maybe Camogie before, you're trying to get involved in it, um, how did you find taking up the sport, first of all, and then how important is it for the likes of yourselves and other homegrown players to obviously enjoy it? Because if you didn't enjoy it, you wouldn't be travelling across the Atlantic to play in the World Games in Derry this week coming. 100%. It's, um, I was very fortunate with the field hockey background, personally, just because that translates very well over to Camogie. So I know my first year or so, it definitely was a little bit of upskilling, but once you have the experience and the practice and the uh, the ability to, to either play with the men or, or I guess finally build your own women's team so you can play with folks on your own squad, um, once things start to kind of come together as a team, it's a really, really exciting, exciting thing to, to see. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's 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 definitely a challenge um, getting a team up and going as a homegrown. And when you're teaching the game, just like you said, it's how do you balance the learning the skills and learning the basics of the sport and still ensuring that people have fun. Um, so I think it's very much the balance between the let's learn the game. We know it's a challenging game, but also the the social aspect of it I think is really important as well. Um, folks and going out and doing things in the city and finding a new opportunity to meet some friends and meet some um, really, really close teammates in your life. And um, I think that's one of the things that brings um, a lot of players back is not only just a love of the game and the enjoyment of learning a new game, but the, the social aspect of it and having um, having friends and having a community to rely on that you didn't necessarily have before. Well, it's great to hear that you are enjoying it so much and we wish you and your team the very best of luck in the remaining games that's coming up for the next week with the knockout stages. Hopefully you'll get there and you never know, even to a final, which would be great to have to chat about next week as well when we come to it. And as we say to all of our friends across the globe who are participating in Camogie at any stages, we would love to hear from other people as well. We have heard from America, so the gauntlet has now been throwing out to everybody in Australasia or Canada or out in Asia we'd love to hear from all of you how you're getting on what you think of the world of Camogie so please do get in touch with us it can be found on the scoreline.ie website if you go in and have a look all the contact details are available how to get in touch with ourselves but Emily and to Sandra from USGAA Camogie participating Emily in particular this week and to Sandra in the background behind the scenes over in America and keeping every everything going um, well done thank you for having this chat with us on Come On Kind hopefully it won't be the last time and no doubt Sandra you're putting out a big shout out to all the gang down in Glenmore as we speak uh, yeah I, I am indeed Martin um, I know I know uh, is it Anya Fahey that works with you there um, I think they, they they told me to say that um, I know Mark my brother had trained her and Annette and Karen sees you a lot and they're my sisters who are heavily involved with the Glenmore Camogie, as is my brother Mark. Well, just as, you speak, just as you speak about that, Sandra, Anya has indeed joined me in studio here, so she has been listening with the last little while. Yeah, Mark used to train us down in a WIT. Great old character, Mark. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is, he, I know. He's, um, 
I, I you've missed them when you're here, but I know he's a he's a funny lad and um he said to give you a mention there or him a mention, I suppose. Um but anyway, yeah, so it's it's great to have these connections and I think that, you know, it really helps us here and, and just like Emily said, you know, the group Kamogi, it's just you know, it is uh, you know, growing here but we need we need people out there um, talking about us, talking about what we do. Um, and I think that that's going to be huge as, as we move forward in the future, Camogie. Well, as the fella says, all you have to do now is tell him that you have been on Come On Kind and get him to listen in to the podcast. Well, and no doubt we will certainly, as we always say, broadcast any events or any kind of tournaments or games that you are playing in, Sandra. We'd be delighted to hear from you. You have my number anyway. You can always text me and we will certainly throw it out there as well for you. But Sandra Holland in America and to Emily Barno in Derry for the World Games this week. Thanks a million for joining us, ladies. And Emily, enjoy the rest of the experience at the World Games for the rest of the week. Thanks so much, Martin. Thanks so much. Really um, appreciate it. <laughs> I just wanted to mention one more thing, Martin. Uh, the USGA finals are coming up the August 18th uh, through the 20th in Denver, Colorado. And it'd be great if we could do some sort of a live thing from there as well, if it's possible. But no, no worries if you can't. I know you're busy too. Come over there. Well, come on, kind, is always free to travel, so you never know. Wouldn't it be great to have a live show from America? We might be able to make that happen next, you wouldn't know. Yeah, thanks a million. Sandra and Emily, thank you so much for joining us on Come On Kind. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will chat to you all again soon. Thank you. Bye. That was... Indeed, Sandra Holland and Emily, they are having a chat with us. Right, when we come back, I will be having a chat to Anya Fahey and to Paul Dowling, who has joined me in studio, and we are going to discuss the rest of this week's podcast. Give me a few moments. Right, welcome back to Come On Kind. That was great to have Sandra and Emily on the line there. Sandra from the USA and Emily from Derry. As we said, the World Games is on this week and we wish all of the participating county or teams and countries and international organisations the very best of luck in it. I have giddiness here in the studio again because I am being joined by Paula Dowling and by Anya Farrell. Ladies, how are you this evening? Good evening, Martin. Good evening, Martin. I'm getting worried about the two of ye. When ye start that, there's divilment in your voices, so there is. Right, World Games. Let's start off with that first of all. We tried to get a couple more of the players that was taking part in it, but we didn't get a response to uh, a, co- a call out to see would they join us. But um, great to have the event in it. You know, you've had uh, a lot of friends that has been over in Australia, yeah. um, etc. playing with them. Is any of them over this time with any of the Australasia teams? Yeah, there's a couple of girls, I suppose, from Kilkenny that are taking part, that are involved in it, which is great to see, I suppose, down through the years. You know, the, the first one that we had in Crow Park was obviously a monumental monumentous occasion. Um, you know, you had Rachel Hogan, Keir Keane, and they were all involved then. And I suppose now you kind of have the new breed of, of Camogie players in Australia that are taking over. A lot of them representing Crave Podge. You've got Shelley Farrell there. You've got Meg Farrell there. Susie Dunphy is playing. Um, <coughs> you've got Rachel Phelan is playing. You've got Claire Nolan from Clara's there as well. Um, and I'm probably forgetting someone, so I do apologise. Um, but yeah, so there's a great contingent from Kilkenny that are involved in it as well. So that's really, really good to see. And, you know, a great opportunity, I suppose, for families to go take a visit up north and um, see their, their daughters playing in these games. And there's a couple of the couple of fellas over from Kilkenny that are um, playing on the hurling team as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge occasion. Um, a friend of mine actually works um, with FRS and, you know, 
know he's uh, playing a big part with the the games up there as well. So you know they're all up there. They're having a, having a great time. And by Wait, all means, you tell us that earlier now. And we could because have had I him actually on. completely forgot that he was doing it. <laughs> and it only it was only actually until I seen that he had a picture of his um, little girl up on um, Instagram. I was like, oh crap! I completely forgot that. Uh, Thanks very much for I, that. <laughs> I was so sorry. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, listen, they're having a great time, and I suppose you can see the amount of people that are after descending on Derry there um, for the next couple of you know whatever five six days yeah it's great it's absolutely brilliant and the final is taking part in Healy Park obviously as well up there so uh, on, is it Healy Park is no Healy Park is in Omar are they actually in Omar or no, is Celtic Park isn't it sorry Celtic yes yeah. Celtic Park not Healy Park yeah. Celtic Park yeah um, dead right so yeah um, it's actually a venue I was never in no so it would have mm. been nice right let's move to Semple Stadium FBD Semple Stadium last Saturday the intermediate semi-finals were taking part Kilkenny was taking on Derry Meath was taking on West Meath let's start with Meath and West Meath first of all because we did say that this may be a little tight did you go for West Meat in this one? No, I went for meat. Did you go for meat? Yeah, I went for meat. I wasn't too I sure. Guess. I was trying to think of this on Saturday to see which one, but um Yeah. Four point win for was it four point it was four point win for meat. So that was a decent result for him. And I was just looking online because I was rushing from Thurles to Nolan Park last Saturday, so I didn't get to see the second semi-final. But Aoife Maguire picked up the player of the match again in what was a good win for meat there in the All-Ireland Final now on the 6th of August. Aoife Minogue. Aoife Minogue. Yep. Sorry, who did I say? Maguire. Sorry, Aoife Minogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a long weekend on you. I know. Uh, who are you telling? I know. <laughs> um, yeah, really good result there for Mead. Um, and Aoife Minogue, as you said, you know, one of the dual players, um, you know, c- coming from the, the Mead footballers there as well. I suppose when you kind of look at Mead when they played uh, Cork in the quarter final, even Lily was saying there was, you know, there was something different about them. They were, they were it was a really, really good quarter final game and probably a game that you know, any team heading for an All Ireland semi final would have absolutely loved the opportunity to play in because it was, you know, it was high scoring, it was physical, it had everything into it. It was a really, really entertaining game. Um, it's a huge result for me. That, you know, they're going to be delighted with that back in Crow Park. Um, you know, kind of pushing to maybe. You know, get get an All Ireland intermediate title under their belt, but they're going to have it all to do. But you'd have to say that you know certainly from kind of now on, you got to watch clips of that game, but you certainly they were by far the, the better team I do think and they just seemed like a team that were never giving up as well I could be wrong on saying this but was the last time that Meath got to the final they played Cork in it if I'm not mistaken it went to a replay yeah. and Cork won the replay they did they did I think I'm, I'm nearly 90% mm. sure of that one yeah. anyway yeah so it, yeah look it's great to have um, I suppose from our point of view a Leinster team in the final there were two Leinster teams in the semi-final three Leinster teams in the semi-final um, so look it's uh, it's a great victory there for Mead pity for Westmead though um, I mean they probably would have seen themselves as you know contenders maybe for that semi-final spot to get into the final yeah definitely and I think I suppose after coming through the the round stages um, nearly undefeated more or less like they probably had an awful lot of confidence going into them but you know I, I certainly think that I think the, the quarter final game really stood to me in that regard I think they had a really good match before hitting a semi-final Westmead will obviously be disappointed but I think Westmead 
they're certainly still on a building block I think as well and I think they've kind of showed that whatever year that they're in transition they're still able to compete at the, at the final lot and you know if, if I'm honest at the start of the year I wouldn't have pinpointed Westmead to be in an All-Ireland semi-final and I think it just goes to show that the work that they are that they are doing to be fair up there well, that was the second game that was on an FPD Semper Stadium and that had a three o'clock throw and it was meet victory one eleven to ten points. The other semi-final was between Derry and Kill Kenny. And this was an entertaining game for the first sixty odd minutes because Derry was fairly good, to be fair. They went in um up at half time. Am I right in saying that, Paula Dowling? Yeah, through were, your notes? They were, they were up. Uh, by much? Can you remember? Um, I haven't got my notes here because I actually left them in the car. By two points, was it? One, one or two, I think. One, it was two. definitely one or two one, anyway. One, I think, yeah. actually, sorry, yeah. There was nothing in it. Um, and then, of course, you had to make allowances. We had a couple of frees that we missed, a couple of shots that dropped short. Um, I think, what was the white count? Was only, was it two... Two, two wides there wasn't that many wides yeah. in the first half I can remember that alright yeah it was um, um, and like I mean there was nothing in it no and to be fair I don't think Kilkenny played overly well in the first half they didn't but they, they contained but they were still there they were still there very much there and then they seemed to lose their way directly after half time whereas you would have actually thought there probably would have been a sport on for them and then they hurled for 15 minutes really really well I mean they fought now they had no luck I mean if the ball if the player moved left the ball bounced right let's be yeah. honest about it there was six no five, luck 6-5 at half time that's what it was yeah. we thought actually it was going to be a belter because in the first 3-4 to four minutes the scores was free flowing like they were going over I think it was 2 points apiece within the first half they were level I think it was 4 times in total mm. in the first half so it was good but them misses them, them chances that we had were pivotal and, and as well as that, I suppose, the what I would say is Derry didn't show any fear. And I mean this in the nicest possible way. Not that, they, like, they went out, they, it didn't matter who they were playing. Like, I mean, they, you know, they weren't afraid of the Kilkenny jersey. They were taking frees from, like, 25, 30 yards out. And they were actually popping it straight over the bar. Like, I mean, like, some of their long distance shots were actually uh, surreal. At the same time, the Kilkenny full back line actually played really well. Do you know they, they, they held did, and in fairness, the Kenny backline were under severe pressure, and I think Seamus Kelly even alluded to that. But I mean, Derry kind of played with a sweeper, as we saw, and Anya McAllister was playing all around the place. I mean, when you looked at her, she was back in the midfield, she was back in the half backline, and I did say it on commentary several times that she really was like a conductor. Oh, she was. She was pulling all the strings, and the the, the gas thing is, I'd say. Her, she was so ergonomic with regard to her movement her reading of the game was really really good in that she was able to position herself even though she felt like she was all over the pitch I don't think she was running the legs off herself but she just was able to read the game and was knew exactly they'd done their research Uncle Kenny they knew where the clearances were going to be come to they had it like down to a fine tee and she was pulling those strings like oh and you just she had a great game you know and and playing the sweeper in the first half which then on the second half Kilkenny had a sweeper which I don't know if that worked for us Yeah it, it, it didn't seem to work too well um, there was long periods in the game where Kilkenny didn't score for 10 minutes 12 minutes I think it was 19 12, minutes 19 uh, and to, yeah. some periods as well that we didn't but we did hit a purple patch like you know it, it, the goals didn't come for us Right. No. We, we didn't have any bit of luck. We had no bit of a breaking there was, ball. There was two, do you remember there was two shots on goal? Yes. And, but there was no power behind them. No. And they're directed straight at the goalkeeper. Um, I have to say the penalty save 
is what changed. Can he actually seem to wake up after that? Yes. Um, now again, let's talk about it. Has anyone seen the, the penalty <laughs> save back again? Because, I mean, I was watching tackles in UPMC Nolan Park that Liz Dempsey and Ray Kelly would not have given a penalty in FBD Semple Stadium. If you look at if you look at the the play that was there in Nolan Park on Saturday, none of them to your referees, I think, would have given that penalty. I suppose so, but it, as I said, in that moment of time, it's a split decision. I suppose maybe. Um I always think referees as well. It's not an easy job. No, it's not. But, it's, ter- it's terrible. But you do have your other officials around you to support you. So maybe it's a bit more interlinking play with them. But either way, if that penalty hadn't been given, would Kilkenny have had that purple patch? That is a very good point. And it could be possible. And it was saved. And Kleena Murphy saved it brilliantly. Mm. And Kilkenny then went on a spree and got seven, eight points in a row it was. And like, I mean, they worked so hard during that period of time. Like, I mean, they actually, they had to. And even though look, nothing was going their way prior to that, they tried to make their own look and force the situation. So like, I mean, even you could see from the half-back line, the half-back line started to actually travel with the ball and move forward rather than hitting the Amos ball and bring it to them. And like, I was looking at one stage, I think it was, who was it? Uh, Dotsy, Claire Donny actually hit the ball the girl blocked it right she went to go and grab it but the ball was too high and it went straight into the dairy person's player's hand and was cleared down the pitch like on another day those balls would fall for you just and I felt for the girls because the effort that they did put in it's it's, as I always say nobody goes out to lose a match but Jesus did they like for that 15 minutes they worked their socks off and it was just I suppose you felt the longer it was going on you felt like Kenny were coming more and more into the game and then I suppose that last minute the 45 at the very end was sort of a killer blow nearly you know that sort of thing I haven't sat here now in front of me thanks to a great producer they have <coughs> arrived so we scored uh, four points up onto the 20th minute in the first half and for the final 10 plus minutes of that first half because there was additional time we didn't score until the 30th minute so there was a 10 minute period there that Kenny didn't score Derry scored three points so they went in ahead six points to five at half time Derry came out straight away after the second half and scored four points on the bounce to double the score to ten points to five so by the 41st minute Kilkenny hadn't scored in the second half then the penalty arrived it was saved and Kilkenny got one two three four five six points on the trot great scoring to be Mm, fair to them it was yeah it left the score 11 points to 10. Derry didn't score from the 41st minute until the 60th minute. Emma Minogue got the 7th point to put Kilkenny 11 points to 10 ahead. And then we thought she had it. We thought Kilkenny had it. And they go down the other end of the field. They take a shot. Kleena Murphy saves it brilliantly. Put out for 45 and it was scored by Eva Shaw, who was immense. I have oh, to well, say, she was on, she on, was on, on, on the button all she day. Was, she was unreal. Kilkenny's stats for their wides: they only had two wides in the first half. Derry had five wides in the first half. They put three wides in the second half. Derry had two wides. So we went to extra time. 
And even if that, if you look in the first half, the number, I think I lost count at four, the drop short. Correct. I didn't. I, I used to take hold of the drop short uh, stats, but I stopped doing it because it was so hard to try and keep a hold of everything. And look it was at four it, in the first half because I suppose that once, we know, once you notice the first one and but the like second. But like you say, you missed the, you take the first couple of frees that maybe we missed. We had another two frees in that first half as well that we could have had maybe to go in. But, you know, the purple patch, MMO getting the, the vital score. I mean, how she got that last point is beyond me. She was on the ground. There was several players around her. And the next thing we look and up. Also and also we thought Mulhall's ball was actually, like, I mean, it was millimetres. It just dropped below the actual bar and the goalkeeper then cleared oh, it out. Correct, yes. And that was coming, it just seemed to just drop of a shot. That's what I said, that bit of luck. You know, we, you know, thought, we thought it was over. Yep. But it wasn't. But, I mean, Derry held their nerve. They got to extra time. Ten minutes each way, extra time, you know. But I think realistically the damage was done in the first period of extra time because Kilkenny did yeah, not score six and mm. Derry got one, two, three, four, five points in that ten minutes of extra time six. so they went five I have 12, 12 13, 14 15, 16 oh. so it was 16 points to 11 at the half time interval in extra time <coughs> and then Derry came out in the second period got the first point to go 17 points to 11 ahead Kilkenny did get three points but Derry got four points and ended up winning by seven in total. Disappointment for the girls, to be fair. Uh, you would, you'd be devastated for them. You like, know, you know it's, 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 like, you'll always, like, getting to a final is one thing, but semi-finals mm-hmm. is, it's way easier, it's way harder to remember who actually even got to any semi-finals going yeah. back and, you know. I know I'm going to be shot for saying this, but it, it's probably just as well, though, that they might have been that much of a margin in it at the end of it, because if there was only a one-point game in it at the end of extra time, you'd really be kicking yourself and saying, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't we do this? You know, we could have done this better, etc. The seven points, it probably flattered Derry a small little bit, but they really were far superior in the period of extra time. Look, in the first, even at that, their interplay and their interlink play was a lot more fluid, I suppose, than Kilkenny's. Um, they were very clever in that, you know, as I said at one stage, you could see all the play was going down the centre, but then all of a sudden, without they knew straight away they barely had to put their head up they were hitting the ball the cross field ball across over to the far wing in the first half and like I mean straight away there was a player gone and they they had done their homework they knew what they were doing they were pulling the strings they knew that like the players knew straight away and come up the wing that the wing back knew straight away my wing forward is going to go yeah. go for this mm. and they were timing their runs their timing was actually really good uh, and their but passing. when they needed somebody to step up like Mairead McNeil was after getting I think it was one point in the game and she had been quite enough but it looked to us that she was carrying an injury mm. and she came out very heavily strapped up for the period of extra time but you could see when somebody needed to step up the balls that was going into her she was just catching them first time she was delivering them you know nice and quickly the player off the shoulder no delay it was no. off the shoulder and it was head up and, and but every time she's, got a good, she's got a good hurling brain it was so quick yeah. everything was so quick and like. what I loved about it was ergonomic she didn't have to bust herself to do this because no. they knew that she would she knew the right option to make and making that right decision so like I mean on but I the think whole, to be fair at that point our backs were out on their feet I mean, Eve Lahey had to come off because she was after running herself into the ground. There was a couple of substitutes that was made. And to be fair to him, and, I, you know, looking back at it, and I watched the, the replay again of it, the ball was coming back far too quick from our half-forward line to go back into the back. So the backs really weren't getting 
any kind of a rest break at all at all in between the plays because as soon as the ball was sent up it was just coming flying back again and those diagonal balls as you know is nearly impossible to defend mm. and really like I mean Tom Ryan used to always say George Mercy used to always say your first line of defence is your full forward line yeah and you have to hold the ball in there. It can't come out as easy as that. And the girls were working, but like, I mean, Derry were physically, they were physically strong on the ball. Not that they were physical. It, like, they were... Uh, but they were, they were athletically built. They were athletically built. They were yeah, sturdy. So they, yeah. they were strong, and they knew what they were like. I mean, when they got over a ball, it was very hard to push them off it. And, and they like, were all, in fairness, they were doing it fairly. Oh, very you fairly. Know, like no, I mean, I'm actually complimenting yeah, this. They, it they, was they were A1. brilliant. Yeah. And what I would say is that, like I mean, they were strong on the ball, and that's what you want every player doing. Is that when they're going in, they're going strong on the ball. They went in and they went in low. And what I would say, the level of handling errors from Derry was very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they went to collect a ball, they went low. I think I even commented on it. This, this whole thing of holding the two hands tight at the top of the hurl, they weren't doing that. They had them evenly distributed down. Their hand was down low near the boss, controlled the ball into uh, the hand, now, gone. One thing I did notice about them, and they did get away with it quite a few times. Now, this is cuteness, right? And you can't train this and you can't coach this. And unless you're really looking out for it, and I'm a fecker for it because when... I'm refereeing. I'm always looking at the spare hand as Don't well. Really knows. <laughs> but you know yourself. Oh, stop saying things like that. <laughs> the player holding the hurl were trying to keep off the back from getting to the ball. So, and if you have a player that's very good at one-handed pickups, if you're holding your opponent's hurl and you're able to pick the ball up, you're gone straight away. And you know there's no chance of the defender getting it. And that is cuteness. And I admire Jerry for it. I, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it when you can get away with them kind of things. It's brilliant but you see what usually happens in matches like that the first ball you'll go for you'll try it and see if you get away with it and if you get away with it once you'll go again yeah and, and, I'm, I mean, and I'm, not just, give, I'm not giving out to him or anything that's but, just you know. part, part and parcel of the whole yep. thing um, like I mean I would know one particular player that when they were playing is that what they used to do is the high ball come in the first thing they do is that by accident they could stand on the side of somebody's foot <laughs> well. you know and that could happen quite accidentally <laughs> well, says the one is this coming from practice now no and, I know uh, no, no, per, no, it's and, not and, me. Per, and it's personal not me. experience it's not me but I would have seen somebody in action doing <laughs> it's it alright it's definitely not me <laughs> I wouldn't even be thinking like that <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> no, it's not. I've never had Anya Fahey doing that. Exactly. And, and in fairness, I, I don't even me. think I ever booked you, did I? Nope. No, you did not. Did she ever get a yellow card? No. Nope. Never. She's never won, got a yellow card? She's one of few players that has never seen my little black book. Never got a yellow card? 100%. I got one. <laughs> and I bet you it was me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It actually wasn't. I'm surprised you only what? ever got I got one. I got one. And that was in an, it was in an Ashburn final. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Jesus. Like you know, we, the, you, you did actually give out to me at a blitz, but I wouldn't like take a blitz. Um, like I wouldn't. Not that it's not a real game, but like you know, blitzes are different. You did give out to me at a blitz down in St Anne's down in Washford one time. I That's was, shocking. I was very young at the time. I think like I you're traumatized. I think, you still remember. I think it. I actually gave out stink to you, and you gave out stink to me. And it's when you actually called me by my name, I went, "Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he knows who I am." It's like the, yeah, the minute they know your name, yeah, you get worried. Just like, you know, oh. yeah. Like you know what? When you're younger, it's like when they know your name, it's like, oh man, this is crap. But when you're older and they know your name, it's like. Oh, time to give up I've been around way too long for this <laughs> yeah sorry well, I got a sidetrack there no, yeah. Cute, cuteness in players definitely yeah I thought but Derry were just by, like Derry like if you look at that Derry squad like there's a lot of those players that have been around for so long as well and they, they have that bit of cuteness they have that bit they of are, experience we, we have to mention well, like, Ethan Cassidy yeah. in centre back as well was very good um, the number seven that's there is a Joe McKenna 
Lauren McKenna, yeah. yeah. Yes. Exceptional. Mm. I mean, she ran up and down that sideline. I'd say if she done it once, she done it a hundred and fifty odd times because she was she was brilliant. I, her engine was unbelievable. She'd remind me engine wise of her, her, her decisions though, Martin. You can work your ass off and get nowhere. She made the right decisions. Yeah. She got the ball. She head up, took her steps, and let it go. Yeah. There was no there was no arson around. Excuse no. my language, but like no, no, you can you say know, that here. You're you, grand. you know the way when you're going like there was no pussy footing around. And that's the one thing. It was direct ball in. So our backs didn't get time to reset. I think at times we were a little bit laboured with our build-ups coming into our forge as we as they keep on up with the transitional zone, mm. as they call it now. You know, that middle third of the pitch when you, uh, I've been listening next, to Don't Log too much. The, the next thing we'll see the tactics board it was mother yeah, of God. But you know that that middle third of the pitch, I said it to you, it was going too slow through it. It gave the dairy backs plenty of time to reset and be organised. Now because they were playing the sweeper in the first half most likely what we should have probably done is playing it down the wings because we did have nippy forwards because yeah. you're not sending something high in on top of like the Trace Donnelly who was working her her, her legs Backside off Backside off yeah. yeah She was working really hard but the girl that she was on was at least I'd say a foot taller now. Uh, yeah and like I mean for a forward you want a ball coming in yeah, roughly about chest yeah, height you that you're running out to meet yeah. you don't want something that you have to backpedal to get or that you're jumping up into the sky to try and get that doesn't yeah. work and look it's not all negative because I mean let's be fair they're, they've had a good run they've got mm-hmm. to the league final probably should have won the first day but they didn't they went to a replay Cork won it they went to a Leinster Championship they won the Leinster Championship they beat Cork this third time around you know in the group top the group as well um, not having as many matches though and long spread out games for them and long periods of rest it didn't help them the, yeah with the lack of Kildare not fielding it did have yeah, it you know, definitely it, would it, have it, 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 you lose your impetus you try to build momentum and it wasn't and that's, there that's what they, they were they had momentum because you were going from the league to the Leinster Championship the Leinster Championship where you had three weekends in a row at serious competitive level in the Championship and then you're gone missing for five weeks because you have no games you have a, a, a poor enough quarter final against Wexford you know because of that rustiness that was there you have a good enough semi-final against Derry you know so I mean and there's a good few new names in on correct. that panel that weren't there I last mean, the, year so there's it, a building know, process it has it has been good for the players etc but I managed to catch up with their manager Seamus Kelly after the game in underneath the Oreen stand in FBD Semper Stadium and here's what Seamus Kelly had to say Shem Kelly commiserations absolutely heartbreak to lose an All-Ireland semi-final no one one step away from an All-Ireland final in Crow Park but in fairness to your girls they died with their boots on out there probably a poor first half you know it didn't really start well came into it in the second half scoring six points on the trot Emma Minogue going ahead maybe you thought you had a one at that stage Jerry come back with a 45 and then just an extra time they just seem to to blow you out of the water unfortunately yeah no look I think you're you're on you're on the ball there Martin in the, in the first half we just we didn't get up to the pace of the game with them and they were getting on the mountain possessions we struggled to you know their number six hurled a mountain the ball I think she had 14 possessions in the in the first half alone but the second half then we came out and we, we got ourselves reorganised we tied things up a bit and I think the last 15 minutes when we showed the character this team has shown all year you know to be trailing a lot of that game to come back when it mattered the most get scores under pressure 
you know, and, and be up, be one point up in injury time again, only for the 45. You know, it could have been a different story there. But again, I think the turn of point in that game was when Clean and Murphy saved that penalty. The whole thing just lifted. In fairness, to her, it was it was a great save, and she made two two there today. But in fairness, all year long these girls have given their all. They, they did die with their boots on today. I think Derry just had that extra when it mattered the most, an extra time. They had the extra leg. They were able to push on, and we we just tired. I thought our backs were immense the whole way through the 60 minutes. They battled hard. There was a lot of ball coming back in top of them, but they just they just kept just kept plugging away at it. You know. Unfortunately, from your point of view, there was probably two long periods in that game that you went without scoring, especially towards the latter end when you did get the six points in the row. Before that, there was ten minutes or so before you didn't score in extra time. You didn't score in the first period of extra time either. Was that heartbreak then for yourselves? You know, knowing that you were leaving Jerry, get that lead ahead of you. At half time, we, we felt that we were in the game and we were we were able to hurl them when 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 it mattered. You know, but we again, you know, you had we had our opportunities and we didn't take them at, at this level. When you get to this stage of competition, if you don't take your chances, you know, you're going to be punished at. Derry, Derry took theirs and it mattered the most. And they pushed it on, you know, when it mattered and they got over the line, you know. So, but here, in fairness to Derry, great side, they're well, look, they're well coached, they're, they're well drilled and, and they have ambitions to be in a senior team again. Like, it's all first teams and we're the only second team left in it and it can be a challenge with the second team to, to try and, you know, with up, balancing players up and down and stuff. But I think what this team has achieved this year, I know it's moral stuff now and we're, we're good, we're not in Ireland final, but, you know, they got to a league final, pushed the replay, won an Leinster title, they got to the, they got to the last four you know in, in, in intermediate competition they had a great um, you know championship campaign top the group and all so look here, there's great things to be taken from it but these girls are absolutely good they're off their feet in there but everyone that came in tried their best I couldn't fault them I can't fault them you know they, they, they dive their boots on Well you've answered my next question there anyway that I was going to ask you because relatively in speaking terms it was a decent year like you know to get to a league final albeit a replay beaten by Cork you then beat Cork in their group stages to top the group come into a beat Wexford in a quarter final beat Carlo in a Leinster final as well All-Ireland semi-final against probably one of the favourites and one of the strongest is in it you've just said it I mean it has been a fantastic year for this group of players for yourselves as well and there's no shame in losing out to a team that's as strong as Jerry because they're physical they're they're very good and they have aspirations of going up senior yeah look they, they do they definitely do look and in fairness to them you know they, they, I think they could go the distance now you know but the great thing about intermediate this year was and I was trying to look back at the progress over here like, like I, I don't know how many intermediate teams over the years managed to get to, to so many finals or close to a final you know we were only puck the ball away from being in a, in a third final this year, you know, and for Kilkenny and Jamaica, that's fantastic. But it came down to the people, Martin, and there's a lot of people that should be acknowledged more so than me here. There's 35 girls in there, and their honesty all year was brilliant. The travelling that a lot of these girls did, that a lot of people don't know, driving from Cork twice a week, coming out from Dublin during the winter. You know, the management team as well, giving up all their time. At the end of the day, we're all volunteers doing this, and we're all doing it because every time you come to Kilkenny, you just love the attitude these girls have. You can't, you know, you love wanting to come train them and work with them, you know what I mean? Yes, we have our ups and our downs, but when I went to that dressing room now, I know those girls were hurt. But I know that, you know, Kilkenny's future is secure in my eyes. There's girls coming through there now from under 16 minors. Girls in that dressing room that are going to be senior players and they're going to step into the, to the shoes of those girls that maybe might move on after this year. And there's going to be a bit of change in Kilkenny, obviously. We know Brian has stepped down and he's probably the reason I'm in here this year to try help him and get, get, get a nice balance this year, you know. But look, I think the girls today don't Kilkenny proud, you know. They, they, they dived their boots on, they pushed on and it was just unfortunate in the end we just couldn't get over the line. Well, look, commiserations. Great to get to the All-Ireland semi-final. Hard luck and thanks for being so accommodating all year to ourselves here on KCLR and to the Come On Kind podcast as well. You've been a pleasure to deal with. And the best of luck to yourself and the team in the future. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for all the support during the year as well. Okay. Yeah, that was Shio pulling the microphone here a bit to me. That was Seamus Kelly there having a chat to me afterwards in FBD Simple Stadium. 
And talking about rushing, well, I ran. Well, I didn't run. I had the car, but I might as well have been because I did get stuck in traffic on the way in to Nolan Park because there was another big day that was taking place in. But before I do that, I should actually say that Jerry and Meat will take place in the intermediate quarterfinal. Times have changed slightly this year on them because it is going to be a 2.45 throw-in for the intermediate game um, so that is slightly different so just to bear that in mind but the very best of luck to both teams uh, in the intermediate final talking about the first game that is going to be in Crow Park because it is a triple header we were hoping Roscommon maybe there you know poor Trees Rose listening to us up there in Roscommon um, it wasn't to be for the poor Rossies they faced Tipperary and Tipperary beat him 212 to 8 points but I think the biggest shock of the whole lot when we thought that Armagh might be going to get into the junior final Anya Farrell Clare decided to go to Ashburn and actually beat him by a point 22 points to 215 now that's heartbreak. Yeah, really is. Um, and I suppose, like, for a lot of people, Arma would have been topped to maybe, you know, win out the junior championship Well, I would have year. said it after last yeah, year. Yeah, same. Like, and I think, you know, that's a massive shock, but what a massive result. What a result for Clare. Fair play. Yeah, and you know what? I think, you know, it's nice to see Clare competing in an All-Ireland final as well. Like, they obviously are working extremely hard. Like, and I suppose their seniors probably not performing, you know, as well as they would have hoped I suppose in the senior championship this year and you know it, it's really good for it's really good for Clare to be competing in an All-Ireland final It's actually great this year mm. because we are going to have six different teams yeah. in the All-Ireland finals and Clare is going to take on Tipperary on the 6th of August with a 12.50 throw-in mm-hmm. that is 12.50 10 to 1 throw-in so again another change from the regular 12 o'clock slot so if you are going to watch the games well why not go tickets are available through Ticketmaster for anybody who does want to go and as we always say we have said it here before people give out about equality people have been protesting for equality but if people do not get up off their backsides and go and travel to Crow Park and watch the game whether your county is involved or not they are going to be three fantastic games it is dirt cheap to go and watch an All-Ireland Camogie final. People <coughs> travelled to Crow Park last weekend and paid €90 Euro for a stand ticket for one game only. You're getting three games for €30 Euro for an adult ticket in Crow Park for All-Ireland Camogie Day. It's €10 Euro match. You wouldn't bloody get a bag of chips and a burger for it anymore. So you wouldn't. <coughs> now, and we know because we went into a very nice place on the way home in Kilcullen the last day we won't mention the name because I might get in trouble for doing that so um, but anyway yeah that is the final and we are going to move on to the senior final because we had the senior semi-finals in UPMC in Nolan Park last Saturday what an occasion <coughs> what an occasion 7,250 people passed through the gates in UPMC in Nolan Park Tipperary played Waterford in the first game. I missed the first half, admittedly, because I was rushing to get back and I was caught in Cork traffic coming through Freshford and the puddles of water in front of me and the rain pouring down on the car, thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to get to Nolan Park? But I did. Well, that's only for the ads and jingles. That's okay. Um, And it was a brilliant second half and I'm delighted I did get into the second half because Waterford and Tip, Anya Fahey, Anya Farrell, and Paula Dowling was immense. Yeah, certainly was. It was I brilliant. Was literally watching highlights of it as well because I was 
otherwise engaged that day. Um, well, you were at a wedding. Yeah. So, yeah, like, to be honest with you, there was one stage, I think, tip where we were gone five points ahead. and There been seven points ahead. Yeah. Because it was listening to it in the car coming up, to be fair, mm. to... RT, thank yeah. you for broadcasting it. It was great to be able to listen to it. And the next thing I heard, Cartervan scores goal and it was 10 points basically, which mm. was 1-7 to 3 points. 7 yes. points in it. And I'm thinking, Jesus, am I going to get to half time in Owen Park and Waterford are going to be so far behind mm. that they're not going to do it. Now I have to say, because I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat, I called that Waterford was going to be Tipperary on the podcast last week. So I did. I didn't. I actually went for Tipperary and my heart goes out to them. It really, really does. I feel like this is this was their year um, and I think they will be kicking themselves. I don't think so. I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. But the fact, oh, I, I, I'm not going to say that they did do this either, but Water, or Tipperary did beat Waterford comfortably enough in the Munster Championship. Mm-hmm. And personally, yeah, I think they took Waterford for a little bit of granted. Yeah. Now, I said to you off air before that there were certain players in Tipperary that if you can neutralise those players, mm-hmm. you have a great chance. It happened in Nolan Park. Tipperary didn't get the win in the last group game that we had. We neutralised a couple of their players. Yep. They, came, they came and they got the draw out of it. We didn't push on in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Waterford had their homework done. They neutralised their players. They only went in point I think it was down at half time they came back they scored a brilliant goal themselves Marie Power first ever championship score never mind a point she got a goal Yeah. and the Waterford pushed on and they only went in a point down which I think was really important to them at half time yeah hugely important I suppose and like they pushed on it's like yeah I'm absolutely delighted for Waterford I suppose ending a 78 year 78 year long wait to get to an All-Ireland final and even yeah, we, were, we thought we were bad after 22 years yeah, waiting to win an like All-Ireland this is, like this is unbelievable like you should some of the some of the videos and so, that have been going around social media of the players just celebrating on the field like it's been it's like they've literally won the All-Ireland they have literally it's it's a monkey off the back for them and I suppose like when they were kind of looking at their campaign their campaign from last year they were obviously bitterly disappointed and I suppose their focus was to go that one step further this year and they certainly have and they've certainly done it in in style. It was a huge opportunity for both Tipperary and for Waterford. As much as, you know, I had tipped tipped to, to, you know, head to go ahead in that game and to, you know, get to an All-Ireland final, I am absolutely delighted for Waterford Camogie. I think, you know, we have been great fans of Waterford Camogie, especially this year and we've seen that they have grown so much this year. The progression has been... It's just the development that they're doing and you can see it's the confidence has literally just branched out from all the teams from their under 16s their minors right Into up to the minor senior Ireland this year as well yeah, Camogie, really really like, good it's just talking about the minor Camogie they made a brave decision at the weekend because they brought in Leisha Forrest into the back line yeah. and it worked She's physically a very strong girl. She's got some clearance coming off her as well. So I, I, it actually, I suppose, from that perspective, when you've got those long clearances coming down on top of the likes of the, the forwards that Water had, it, it's perfect. And they actually timed their runs really well. Now, I have to say, I was only watching in between the raindrops because it's running around the place as well. But you could actually see that they weren't landing on top of them. They were playing to the left and right and allowing them to run onto it and take it on. And they were running at the Tipperary defence. And that's like I mean they were doing their damnedest. Like the work rate of the Walford girls was phenomenal. I, I I said it as well, and I did an interview actually um, with Gavin Whelan from WLR because Gavin was up at the the game covering it as well. And 
he does a lot of commentaries for uh, the the streaming crowds as well when the games are on and I know he was doing it with um, Entry the day that they done the Waterford and Antrim game from the SETU arena as well so you know Gavin is very knowledgeable when it comes to Waterford and you'll actually hear uh, the interview with him very shortly because I pre-recorded it with him this evening but Waterford's passion, their their crowd, their supporters, they came in huge numbers to Crow Arts in Olin Park. There was some amount of Waterford support. It was there. unreal. And like I mean, you're talking about from the age I say from nine months to nearly ninety. Yeah. Like it was it was unbelievable support. And you know what, that's that's the way it should be for all Camogie games. Yeah. Every county should get beside it. And like I mean, you could feel the atmosphere of the water crowd. They were buzzing. And it brought to the whole occasion as well. Like I'm sort of sick. I get a bit peeved off over people, you know, they be like, oh, camogie this and camogie that and why do they arrange this, that and the other and all the rest of it. Really, Warford, the Warford crowd showed the way that it should be for every county. And yeah. that's something that, I mean, I have to take my hat off from. There was people there, a lot of them hadn't actually been at camogie matches before, mm-hmm. but because Warford was playing in an All-Ireland semi-final and representing their county, they went and supported them. And they enjoyed the game 110%. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't be one bit surprised if double or triple that amount from Waterford aren't at the All Ireland final. Oh, you can be sure of it because I have heard, and you'll hear me saying this to Gavin Whelan as well. Every bus company from Lismore all the way to Ballyragget and further afield has been contacted to get buses for the Waterford clubs who are definitely going to travel in their numbers. But as I said, I did manage to catch up with Gavin Whelan earlier on this evening before we started recording to get his take and the Waterford perspective on how their semi-final went last Saturday. Here's Gavin. I'm delighted to be joined on the phone line this evening by WLR's own Gavin Whelan, who was in UPMC Nolan Park last Saturday at the semi-final between Waterford and Tipperary, where Waterford bridged a 78-year gap to get to the big decider. Gavin, how are you this evening? Good, sir. Not too bad at all, uh, Martin. Hope all is well. All is great. Thank you very much. And all was great for yourselves as well last Saturday. As I said, what a win for Waterford. I mean, they were there in the semi-final against Cork last year. Probably, maybe should have came away with the victory, but they didn't. But that certainly stood to them at the weekend because they came up against Tipperary. They fought hard. They had to do it the hard way, though, because in the first half, Tipperary went seven points ahead, getting a goal through Court Devan. When they got that goal, before ye came back with a brilliant goal yourselves, did you have any fear at all in the opening couple of minutes? Yeah, sure. Look, man, it was a, it was a great, a terrific game to, to win and, and I suppose a horrible uh, game to lose. And I think you mentioned last year's semi-final defeat to Cork. I think the pain of that was, was probably in the back of the girls' minds, particularly going down the, the home stretch there. But um, probably wasn't a great start from Waterford's point of view and probably took a while to maybe get up to the, the pitch of the game. And, you know, when Scott Van got that goal tip, went, you know, they went seven clear. It was looking pretty ominous on, on, at, at that stage from Waterford's point of view. But in fairness, you know, there's great unity and, and spirit in the group and they didn't panic and they just, you know, got into their rhythm and those the leaders there you talk about Beck Carton and Lorraine Bray and these guys you know um, Vicky Faulkner at cornerback really thundered into the game or the hickey you know your big, big guns really stood up and um, 
you know, I think once once Watford got that goal, timely goal from a red power, her, her first goal of the her first score of the championship, I believe, it kind of gave the Watford fans something to shout about. And you know, they played their part too on Saturday. It was brilliant to see the colour and excitement, and I think you saw what it meant to the Watford um, team and management, and indeed the supporters once the uh, once the Dempsey blew that final whistle. So overall, a great victory, and particularly the manner of it as well, Martin coming from coming from seven points down. So certainly going to stand them in good stead heading into the final in, in, in two weeks' time. You know, Gavin, how important was that comeback in the first half after? Two- Tipperary's goal because you look up at the scoreboard you're seven points down in an All-Ireland semi-final you go down the end or into the field now weather conditions were absolutely atrocious at the weekend as well but to get I think it was a goal and a point straight away after Tipperary's goal certainly helped them but how much did that mean and how much of I suppose a benefit was that to Waterford going in at half time only a couple of points down yeah, it was massive, absolutely. Especially when you're playing a team of the calibre of, of Tipperary with Cotavan and you know leaders in every line, and they were keen to you know to get back into to, to, to Croke Park to a final. And as you said, but there was an instant response from Waterford. I think they needed to, you know, in fairness to, to the big guns, as we said, stepped up. And I think the halftime whistle probably came at the wrong time, maybe from Waterford's point of view. Tip would have been delighted to, to head into the dressing room. They were still leading by a point, but you know you had that phenomenal block from Lorraine Bray. The work rate and the intensity was really up, and that score where, where Lorraine flicked the ball away and played a lovely one-two with Carton. Like that's just you know Waterford in in brilliant motion and in in, in full flow with their joy to watch and you know what I mean that they stepped up to the plate I think all over the field of the work rate and energy all the, the buzzwords which you associate I suppose with the modern game were, were in evidence and um, you know you have to take your hat off to Sean Power and his management team they, they have them really well drilled the big impacts on the bench as well there's panel strength there as well and that's going to be huge going into the massive challenge against Cork but um, overall yeah certainly it was a great comeback and as I said the manner of the victory will, 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 will certainly please uh, the management team and indeed the, the supporters as well so yeah it was huge uh, to get that goal back from a red power and it was certainly a game that it just felt in that second half and Waterford they were winning those duels they were winning frees and it was just a game that they weren't they weren't coming out of, of Kilkenny the other day being beaten and I think that was the attitude across the players faces and I think you could see again what it meant it was a you know really emotional uh, plenty of emotion I suppose at the final whistle to eventually get over the line because they have been there thereabouts the last couple of seasons and until you get over that line and realise that um, there's a huge sense of, of satisfaction you know Waterford's work rate especially in the second half I thought was absolutely phenomenal and you mentioned a couple of players already but two of them that I was really watching and focusing on was Lorraine Bray and Beth Carton because everything that came right with Waterford was really going through the two of them Lorraine is like a conductor in the middle of the field her work rate is unbelievable I don't know where she gets her engine out of and you get the ball then down to the forward line you have Rocky inside in there as well you have Beck Carton you have Annie Fitzgerald you know you have Abby Flynn all contributing scores and points on the board but I mean Waterford's work rate as I said, was definitely the winning of that game for him in the second half. And when they started to come back and, you know, they were tit for tat with Tipperary, then they took the lead, you know, and Brianna O'Regan's point then from the free, I mean, it was a monster free to be taken, especially in the weather conditions, put Waterford ahead as well. And the crowd, I mean, put all those factors together. You really had a winning combination there for the second half. Oh yeah, you certainly did indeed. Everyone played their part, um, and you know, and you could see the the guy Sean and and his management team on the line were were really pucking every ball as well. And I said it was leaders stood up, but I think the the Waterford backs in the second half, you know, to 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 limit Tipperary to what they did in the second period, a, a caliber of the attack of Tipperary was absolutely second to none. I thought Vicky Faulkner gave an exhibition on Cotavan there in the second half. She was just getting flicks in, driving out with the ball, and it was the use of the ball as well. And it wasn't just lump it down the field. They're playing this kind of running game and getting runners off the shoulder, and you know, to being sort of a kind of a running game would be taught as well, particularly in. The, in 
particularly in that second half. You mentioned uh, Carton and, and, and Lorraine. Like Lorraine is just unbelievable, huge bundle of energy and brings so much to it. Real leader, Keely Corbett Barry as well as captain, you know what I mean? She really stood tall and just fought hard all over the field. And as I said, you know, won a lot of those rucks and probably got a bit of maybe fortuitous with a couple of line balls at the end. But I suppose you may, you need that look at times. And sometimes, you know what I mean? In fairness, Walford weren't the probably wrong end of a few of a few, of maybe that look last year above in Crow Park against Cork. So, you know, in fairness, they dug it out. They had to withstand four minutes of out of time. I think at the end, the once the whistle went, it was just more a sense of relief. But you have to say they were um, deserving winners on the day. It was a really tough battle in, in horrendous conditions, to be fair to both teams. And, you know, you were there yourself. The, the, the rain was just bucking down. It was really hard to hold the hurley there in that second half. was. Driving wind and rain. But, um, yeah, kudos to both teams. But really, really, you know, massive win for Waterford. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge build-up now to the, to the All-Ireland final, you know. Come here to me. You know the man better than I do. But um, he's been there with the under-20 uh, hurlers before. It be, he went into the Camogie setup as well. But... How much has Sean Power and his management team brought to this? How much leadership and his uh, enthusiasm and knowledge has he brought to Waterford to get them into their very first All-Ireland in 78 years? Ah, it's a brilliant achievement, you know. You just need to just look at his record, you know, with the over the years. You know, he's a phenomenal um, manager. You know, he's a real, uh, I suppose, players manager as well. And um, does a lot of work, I suppose, you know, behind the scenes as well. And you know what I mean. And the intercounty management team now, you know, there's a lot of work goes in behind it. And uh, Sean, is, I suppose, his record just speaks for itself. You know, he's led the, the Waterford minor and under twenty hurlers to All Ireland success. And when his first year as as Daisha Camogie boss and has led them to a, a Croke Park appearance and All Ireland final appearance, or as you said, first time since 1945, even excuse me, which is phenomenal so again he just brought that um, that extra energy and impetus and surrounded himself with good people too you know Wayne Power would have been involved with him before in terms of the, the hurling background and coaching and Wayne is adapting to that now into the game as well would be his first I suppose venture maybe into the inter-county uh, women's setup. but again the players are really feeding off him and it's all kind of ball to hand and, and sharp stuff you've, you've Flinner there in the background there as well Paul Flynn Shona Kern as well who wore the Waterford jersey with great distinction over the years with a couple of all-Ireland medals at junior and intermediate like you know what a player to what a what a warrior to have involved in the background team the backroom team who knows what it takes I suppose to win big games and they're really really working well there's a good unity there I saw what it meant at the full time whistle the, the last time everyone has a role there in terms of the guys behind the scenes as well there's a huge management team and they're really enjoying it and enjoying it as well and obviously you know there's there's a good bond there which is pretty evident to see at the minute so um, yeah phenomenal job by, by Sean and um, yeah hopefully he'll be uh, adding another All-Ireland Martin to that CV now please God on the on the August Bank holiday weekend Well you never know it's certainly great to get there um, the other question I suppose I have to ask you before I let you go as well is the build-up. I mean, you've been there yourselves with WLR and the build-up to the hurlers when they were in the, the hurling final last. This is a first for yourselves in a long time with the women being there as well. What's the build-up like already that they have won the semi-final coming up to the All-Ireland? Um, and what's the the, the build-up going to be like within the, the Deja County for this big game coming up? Oh, sure, I think it's going to be massive, Martin. You know, in fairness, I suppose we have a tendency maybe at Waterford to get a bit carried away with with these things. But you know, you know, I think Sean Power mentioned the other day. You know, we don't get to too many All Ireland finals in any in any code really here in, in Waterford. So you have to enjoy the build up. You know, obviously there's a match to be played, and the players will go away and do their own bit. And I think this week they're getting the. I think they have an open um, or a meet and greet night Thursday night with the fans as well, which is there. You know, which is absolutely part of it. And I think there's a bit of a media briefing again with, with the local with ourselves there on Friday. So you know, I suppose getting them out of the way this week and, and you know give the the, the lead up in the full week 
week into the All-Ireland the lead up to it you're, you're full focus on the match itself so that'll be timed wisely and, and done wisely by the management team Sean would have been there and through that before with the hurling setup. so I'm sure that'll be second nature but um, there's a great buzz around um, uh, already um, working luckily enough to be working on a few of the cool camps we have a few of the Camogie girls actually who are working in with us uh, and as coaches and we have a few ambassadors as well going around to the camps and they've been a huge hit going around to the various uh, venues as well with the kids as well it's great to see them with their, with their jerseys and getting the autographs and giving them tips I suppose on you know growing up themselves and, 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 and getting to the level they're at now so there's absolutely there's a great buzz around the place and I think that's going to continue right up to the, the August bank holiday weekend so um, we know there's a big game to be played and that'll be the main focus but I think it's important you um, you know you, you let the fans enjoy it and I think the bus loads already will be uh, are, are booked and there's various clubs you know planning to get up to Croke Park that day so yeah I'm sure the, the M9 will be pretty busy that, that Sunday Martin will be plenty of blue and white there anyway hopefully and uh, yeah it's going to be a huge occasion for, for, for Waterford and um, so they'll be hoping now they can just come and, and, and deliver a, a big performance first of all but knowing as well that they face a, a huge challenge uh, in their Munster rivals as well you know I hear every bus company from Lismore all the way to Ballyragget <laughs> has been in contact from clubs uh, looking to book buses so I have no doubt they certainly are going to go in their droves which will be fantastic to see Gavin I know you're a busy man you have training this evening so really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat with us here on Come On Kind this evening hopefully you'll enjoy the game hoping you're going to get to be able to call the game as well on Sunday because it is fantastic to be able to do that in a real honour um, and hopefully you will have that honour with the local radio station in Waterford as well and we look forward to seeing you on the day as well Thank you very much much appreciated Gavin Whelan thanks a million for that talk to you soon Yeah no matter thanks Aaron That was Gavin Whelan from Waterford Local Radio WLR having a chat to us Paula has nieces playing with Tremor and I was actually in Tremor the other day and I was talking to Davy Atkinson who has a daughter I think she's actually the sub goalie if I'm not mistaken actually um, on the team as well so Davy was delighted he was actually coming out of uh, Nolan Park the other evening and I was up in the press box and I saw him coming so he was just giving me a wave up and I went out to the little doorway and he shouted up at me and put up the fists and I just let a roar back at him I told you so Mm, they're on look it's on, it's on a buzz already like um, I was getting texts the minute the match was over and you know because I'd have a lot of relations down the water side my mother would originally down from um, Kilrossendy side and you know just the texts you know hey we're in the All-Ireland final and of course they were rubbing it in that Kilkenny weren't in it in the Camogie All-Ireland and the usual you know gallery that'd be going on but like I mean there's a great buzz down there they're all looking forward to it Seats are booked on buses already, yep. as you've already mentioned, yeah, yeah. Um, and clubs are going up and it should be, I'd say, they're going to make the most of this occasion. My big hope is that they do what they did against Tipperary and bring it on to the next level. Well, now, we're not going to say anything about that yet because we're going to have a special preview show next week, which will probably be our last intercounty podcast before we start in the club games. Woohoo! We can't wait for club. <laughs> I'm sick of trying to look at fixtures. My head is frazzled trying to put them but together. But it's just, it's just it because it's so, I suppose from our perspective, I think, I don't know how only feels, but it's just club season. It's just, it makes it real. Oh, it does. You're nearly waiting all year for it to just Good kick person. in. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you know the little idiosyncrasy. So it's, it gets Anyway, now, we, that, we, we have to keep the club scene because we still have one more game to go in the senior semi-finals and that was Cork and Galway that we have to get to because... Oh, yeah. I mean, that was an enthralling battle between two. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Cork not to score a goal in a game and come out and win it and Galway to score two goals and not win it. Mm. Galway looked sluggish. 
Yes. Flat. Not having competitive games. They looked flat. They looked flat. It's like, it was like they were like a bottle of, of, of Coke that had been opened up about two days previously and, and, and there was no fizz there. And that's not what you expect from Galway. I, I like, they, they were working, they were trying everything, but they just mm. didn't seem to have that oomph. Can, if we, you know what can I mean. we record these analogies and set them on? Uh, uh, but I do think this comes back to uh, like the way the fixtures were set about. I do think, uh, I do think teams not having However, games. yeah, but Waterford had no game. I know, but... You know, Tipperary did. Tipperary had a tough first half against Antrim. They mm. had an easy second half, but they still had a game. Yeah. Cork had a game against... Kilkenny in a quarter final. Mm-hmm. That was a very, very, very tough game. Galway didn't, Waterford didn't. Waterford seemed fresher though than what Galway did on the day. And I was actually talking to Cahill Murray um, I mean, in Cork the tunnel. Seemed. Yeah, but I was talking to Cahill afterwards in the tunnel. Um, and he just said to me, You know, what do you think of that? And I literally just said to him, I've seen Galway play better, which I have, to be fair, because Cork played very, very well. But Galway didn't seem to be the Galway that we've seen of old I mean I think the last six times that Cork and Galway have played one another Cork have won none of the matches Mm. including in the group stage already in the previous couple of weeks Yeah, I'm just wondering like at one stage I was looking at it there in the second half and there was two Galway forwards and there was at least six Cork backs around them now unless maybe the tactics mightn't have worked out as they Intended or well, I think Matthew Toomey is a brilliant tactitioner, and I think he got all of his matchups. Do you know what he is? On. He's a very good player manager. Mm. He yeah. manages his squad really well. Like I mean, he does, and you can he feel. And I'm not going to give him a big head now because he does listen to us. But I mean, Cork did play very, very well that day, right? They they were the better team on the day, no doubt about that at all, at all. I was listening. No, I was listening to one of the mentors or water. No, it's not because you wouldn't have a mentor outside of your box. But there was a water carrier on the side <laughs> of the pitch, and Cork would never do that. But there was a, a water carrier on the side of the pitch at the old stand side, as we call it, and he was shouting into the goalkeeper, and he was going two, four, one. So according to depending on what was going on and what way who was in it. So it's like a quarterback. There was plays going plays exactly were going where on. it was going. I'm just yeah. telling you. Now I, you're after giving away the secrets now so someone will be looking to know what 2-4-1 means <laughs> now when it comes to the All-Ireland. It was, it was, I know. I just, when you hear these things you're just... But it was the... Ta- and you could actually see there was... A ver- I saw what the variations were and there was variations in the puckouts. But sure, Davey Fitz puts a fellow behind the goal line to try and coach the goalies to do it so I mean you might as well have a, a number was, play the same as the NFL. Worked. They worked as in okay if, if one didn't work they went down the two route and the two route worked and they went again down the two route they and then there was a variation but, over but, again. But, but, but if you don't have the players that's able to put those plays yes. into practice well, you the, could shout one to a hundred and it wouldn't make a blind say, bit of if difference. If you don't have the players that'll buy into your that's coaching thing. methodology that's yeah. what's even more important. Like I mean you don't necessarily have, you don't have to have the best players in the world but if you have players that buy into your way of playing and can do it successfully, that's when you'll win. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I was really super impressed with Cork at the weekend. Um, they played very, very well. You know, they were determined. Their their work rate was unbelievable. They were tough. They were slogging it out. They weren't giving tip or Galway much time on the ball at but all. Did you notice any time any, like if there was a clearance or something could happen, they backed each other up. You could see there was the wallop on the back. There was yeah. the pump, fist pump. There mm. was... 
Oh, they were certainly up for it. Oh yeah, and then like you could see they're all invested. It was like, you know, well done. Like even the t- you could hear the chat on the pitch and I suppose when you're down that close you get to hear a lot more and everything was like, well done or if they miss one, you're going to get the next one. They backed each other. Yeah, that's huge. So he has every single player on that panel backing each other and the subs on the bench were just as vocal subs as those made, subs made on the, the sideline. Yeah. Yeah, so it was made the impact. Like, I mean, but for Galway, it's disappointment again. I mean, another All Ireland semi final defeat. Um, you know, I suppose when you look at it, I mean, Cahill Murray is a fantastic manager. Um, where do they go from here? I mean, you know, they have such a huge backroom team. They have Chorus Daunton in with him as a performance analysis or director or whatever you want to, to call the position that's there as well. I mean, going forward, it's. A while since they won the All Ireland mm. now, um, and I suppose like this year he's been there a few years. Yeah, he's, he tried to freshen things up a bit. I mean, he has Adrian O'Sullivan in the backroom team as well, coming from Dublin last year, etc. But you know, going forward, where does where does he go? Where does the team go? And you know, I think for Galway as well this year, I think you have to remember. I suppose like their intermediates won the All Ireland last year. There would have been thirty odd girls. You know, I suppose that Galway would have been able to you know, look at from a senior point of view. So, you know, really he had the best two intercounty squads in Galway available. But is that then year. sometimes but more of a it, hindrance? Yeah, did it hinder him? It probably did because was was there too many to nearly look at? Do you know, that kind of yeah. way. Um, and I suppose like, you know, they probably did have maybe a couple of players that stepped away from the panel or whatever, whatever the case may be. That probably had a lot to impact on it. And that does, like, you could have one or two players that step away from an intercounty panel and if you've been kind of, I suppose, maybe planning your team around them for the last couple of years, I suppose when they go, like there are big, there are big um, boots to fill. But, you know, it'll be very interesting to see where Galway kind of go from here. Yeah, it certainly will. Well, I think it's going to be an enthralling final um, and we are certainly going to have fun looking through all of the archives and delving into it and seeing what we can come up with and the predictions for the All-Ireland Finals because they can sometimes throw up surprises. It can go whatever way you want to go. I'm going to have all my research done. I have a wedding on Friday and half the crowd are my water cousins so I'm going to be just doing all the research and get all the inside gas. So I you're don't. going down. You're going down. Anyway, I do have to say though, um, and I mean, the Camogie Association ran a brilliant show as well on uh, Saturday, to be fair. We've seen a couple of different things that was going on, including Kilkenny Camogie Board as well. I mean, they've done everything brilliantly considering, together. Okay, first of all, considering... The weather was atrocious. The weather was atrocious. Like, I mean... Okay, but we, we, have, to, we have to address a couple of things because I've seen a couple of things online and I got a couple of text messages over the weekend as well. Um, number one, if you buy a ticket the day of a game or even a couple of minutes beforehand trying to get into a stadium, the scanners will not work because there was a load of tickets bought an hour before throwing. Um, and I'm not going to give away how many tickets were sold because I could get in trouble for doing that, but I was told, but there was a lot. Um, so if you're buying tickets, the advice is buy the tickets well in advance of a day going to either the All-Ireland Final, which you have to do through Ticketmaster now anyway, or if you're going to a venue as well, even in the future, don't try and come up to a turnstile, buy a ticket and expect the scanner to work because it doesn't work. You can't do that in Hurling though, can you? They don't allow it in Hurling. No, you have to buy your tickets on the day. So the Camogie is the only people that you can actually buy your tickets on the day of a game to try and go to it. And as I say, there was a load of tickets (laughs) that was bought in it. There was, yes, there was queues. 
um, but nothing major. I mean, you see queues going into all kinds of different venues around the place. But the problem is that because the weather was so wet as well, everybody decided nearly that they were going to wait till the last minute to try and get in, to try and keep dry. But then everyone had the same idea. So you had queues that was in it. There was plenty of turnstiles open over the weekends. There was over eight turnstiles. And yes, there was gates open, etc. Then to try and get the crowds in as quickly as possible. One of them was actually the president of the Camogie Association that was standing on a gate trying to leave in people. I have to say, fair play to her. Yeah. Fair play. Like, I mean, I, it's just, we we had plenty of stores, but with the weather, trying to deal with people getting in and out, I have to say, fair play. And do you know something? I, 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 I was told this because I, I was actually in the, the event control box with herself here beside me as well. And it came back to us that somebody in the crowd actually said, well, you wouldn't get this at a GAA game. And there was another parent of one of the players that was standing beside or behind her said, well, actually, you're dead right there because you wouldn't get the president of the GAA getting up off his seat to come down and open a gate to leave in the crowd. So now, fair play to everybody that was involved in it. Well done to everybody. Fair play to all the spectators that turned up. I mean, €7,250. It is a record for the semi-finals for the Camogie Association and everybody I think really 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 had a good day now talking about the Camogie Association obviously they are coming back to Kilkenny next week um, because we are going to be hosting the All-Ireland Under-16 Finals and the Shield final is going to be the first game up and that is between Antrim and Clare it has a 2.30pm throw-in so if you're listening from Antrim or from Clare make sure please to buy your tickets nice and early and make sure you come early as well because parking is going to be at a premium you won't get parking within the triangle as we call it or the angle area there of UPMC Nolan Park so you will have to come early and find parking arrangements that's there make sure the tickets are bought early but we are delighted to be hosting Antrim and Clear. and Antrim the last time we had them down was the minor All-Ireland final as well they were in the Shield final against Limerick it was and they were brilliant so um, make sure you do that and also we are hosting the under 16 A championship final which is the main event for anybody at the underage structure and it is a repeat of the All-Ireland semi-final because it is Cork and Galway so both counties will renew rivalries again at 4.30pm and our event controller for the day is going to say something yes just on the parking there will be parking in O'Loughlin Gales GAA just across the road from us and there's always parking in McDonough Junction shopping centre just down the side of UPMC Nolan Park and as far as I'm aware the parking in McDonough Junction is 250 for the day if you tell them that you're going to a match I think that's what it is or 250 an hour actually 250 an hour but anyway there's, I there's think actually you get it for 4 euro for the 3 for hours the, or something if I'm not mistaken you, or yeah, something to that effect something so to that effect it's not that expensive but check it out and, and park but there will be no parking in the angle as we said as we call it on, on Saturday so don't try and come to the gate to get in because you won't get in now, you heard that from the horse's mouth, but look, Anya and Paula, under 16 final. I mean, a lot of counties are probably giving out that it's running on so long that there's a lot of under 16 matches this year as well. But for these counties, they're renewing rivalries again. Can you see, who do you see coming out of this as a winner? Honestly, I think that Galway need the win as a county. But you couldn't go against Cork. Um, the young McGrath girl was with Galway. She's after doing her cruciate. 
Um, so that'd be Hopper McGrath's daughter. Um, she's the youngest. Now she is, a f- I've seen her play earlier on the year, fantastic player, but was just not an attack or anything, just run out of the pitch in the first, I think it was 10 minutes against Tipperary and did her cruciate. That's, so a, that, that's a whole different podcast that we need to look at as well because, I mean, Cork last year yeah. has had four of their players um, out to cruciates. We had two last year. We have two this year and they're even at training. It's not even at a matches. You look at the amount of underage players that's now doing their ACLs and I'm talking not even minors, 16s. We're now going down to 14s which is frightening. To be doing your ACL at 14 years of age is frightening. But that's a whole different yeah. part game. So you're going, you you think Galway needs need the win, but, but I think Cork, Cork is going to win it. Cork, I'd have to. Anya? Yeah, I think, I suppose when you kind of look at Cork now at the moment, they've won the minor All-Ireland. This year and last year, the last yes. two years. They're in a senior All-Ireland. Yeah. There's Under 16s are now Cork in an All-Ireland. Always had a really, really good under age programme that they're constantly developing players through so I would be saying Cork to Cork for the win Okay well we're certainly going to be looking forward to it but next week we'll probably bring a rundown on the inter-county season we'll probably come back um, will we be here at the bank holiday Monday? We might be to see how things are going we'll have to wait and see but if not you know that'll be the end of the season we'll be back eventually and then it's kicking off with the club championships I can see these two having a row here already because you know no we're, we're, no. no we won't meet on the sidelines this year <laughs> I think it's just as well no we've, we've got our own predetermination with regard to our, our, yes. our results and we're, that. Working, we're working closely together yes actually. we're in conjunction <laughs> That's more frightening than having the two oh, e on yeah, the sidelines. You don't realise so it. It, realize it. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I do. Believe you me. Okay, folks, that is it for this evening. Hopefully that you all enjoyed this episode. Thanks to all of the contributors, as always. Thanks to Anya and to Paula here in the studio. It has been a breeze. 25 weeks though I mean imagine already it's flown through we're Do heading you know what, in it's a little bit depressing though in one way because you used to love the old you know build up to September and the All-Ireland and well actually we were just talking about this the split we have season no, is a bit of a no fundraising even that we're going to be trying to attempt this year because we're not in the All-Ireland and although we might do a bit of fundraising you but, know, but either know. way I just think I just think I just think that could be something maybe we could look at is, is the whole split season well, actually, there is emails out yeah, um, to give feedback for the inter-county season and etc. There's a lot of debate in it. Maybe we might do a debate on it um, laterally in the year and see how things are going between club and get different people in. Mm. And I, I think we could actually do a good debate here and have a good debate. But anyway, for you have a good enough fence and strong enough fence that I can sit on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my brother works in a DIY shop but I'm not going to say any more than that because either way whatever way I answer that I'm going to get myself in trouble the day she sits on a fence we're all in trouble oh, I know no, no, no. I just I can see the pros and cons of both sides you know that kind of thing well you do your research and you have all your pros and cons for us and when that happens then we'll we'll, we'll go with whatever the research says Okay, that is it. It's getting very, very late here. Jesus, at the time already. It is right. It's time to be heading off. Hopefully you enjoy the podcast as always. 
keep listening in to wherever you get your podcasts from. We will be back again. But from, it's like the trees do just here in Kilkenny. From the three of us, well, four, uh, can you call herself a stewardess really? I don't know. Anyway, from myself, from Anya, and from Paul, and from Paul, <laughs> myself, Anya, and Paula, it's good night from us all. It's getting really um, happy out here now. So, for now, see you all next week. Bye. Good luck. This is Come On Kind with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Oh